This is CliffCentral.com. I love it. Starting the day with the head banger. It's Salif Keita. Africa. Why? Because it is Africa Day. You're listening to Pubi Mashejo and you're on... Womandla on cliffcentral.com. It's my favorite day of the month. When we talk about money, 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 money. Also, because my favorite person is in the room, Michelle Davis here. Hi, all. Michelle, um, not only is it Africa Day, so I'm in a good mood. Yes. And I'm, I'm doing what some other radio stations doing. I'm like all about Africa today. I'm always all about Africa, but today especially. Did you notice the colors? Well very done. African, hey? Well done, Mama. Well done. <laughs> but I'm also very excited about today's show. Because after all of you harping and going on with me about it, <laughs> I'm finally doing it. I'm finally doing it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm getting my life in order. <laughs> but then, as I'm getting my life in order and we're working out all of the what you should be saving and... Um, apparently I have 28 years to go. <laughs> sure. Apparently I have 28 years to go. Till when? Till retirement? Till, till some kind of like acceptable <laughs> retirement age. But I kind of feel like I'm probably going to pull a, um, Warren Buffett. Okay. I'll be 95 and I'll still be going to the office. Yep. <laughs> and the worst is he doesn't need to. This is the thing that I love about the man. This is the thing that I love about the man. And I'm kind of going, all right. So I'm working out. I'm filling in. And as you know, I'm also all about spreadsheets and all about Uh the numbers. And I remembered how when I started working when I was 22, I remember taking out my first ever RA or something that I eventually had to abandon when I think my third business failed. (laughs) Not unusual. Hey, hey, it can I'm happen young. to Richard I'm Branson. Young. No, I'm young. <laughs> can happen to Richard Branson. It can happen yeah, to me. And I can still buy an island. And I remember how when I looked at that first RA and they said the payout when I retire would be six million rand. Mm. And when I was 22, I was like, what? I thought it was like incredible. And as I'm working it out today... I'm thinking six million rand ain't shit. <laughs> no, it's true. It's such a valid point because at the end of the day, we don't realize if we look at when we're going to be retiring. So when I show clients their retirement age at 30, uh, 20, 35, at 20, 45, and they're all going, oh, good grief. Like. Yeah, it's it's such a long time still. It's a long time to go. But today, when I look at it, I think that's a lot of money. Nuh-uh. But. Being where I am looking back at that, like, really, I took out an R8 that was going to pay me 6 million rand. What did I think I was going to do with 6 million rand, right? No, absolutely. Totally got me thinking about the value of money. How much is enough money? And as I'm working it out even now, I then suddenly thought, I'm sure there are millions of girls out there working out these RAs, putting in, throwing in money into some kind of retirement plan, into some kind of life policy. And it looks like it's going to pay out a lot of money, but it's, is it really? I think the biggest thing for everybody to understand is not, is it enough, but what is the value of that money in that time? That's a big thing. Also, 
we are assuming, and this is again an assumption that we're making, that when people retire, as you said earlier on, they've got their shit in place. <laughs> and this may not be it because have you paid off your bond? Do you have no debt? That is really where you've got to look at. So if you're looking at today living comfortably of 25,000 Rand a month, and we say to you at retirement, once your bond's paid for, once your cars are paid for, and you have no further debt, would you be able to live for 15,000 Rand a month? So it's also looking at a reduction of income. But then again, how much is the 15,000 Rand going to buy for you over the next period of time that you may still live? So, so if you retire at 65, you can still live for 25 years. This is what got my head done in, right? Is it really, I started thinking about, and, and this is, this is why the, is it enough? First of all, we all live in this Instagram state right now. <laughs> so everybody is all about when I retire, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to be living it up, y'all. I'm going to be going on a the world cruises. cruise, y'all. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to do this because I'm going to have all the time in the world. And. So I need all the money yes. to be able to do all of that stuff. But when you then think about the fact that when you do retire, you know the story about my grandfather. I mean, when my grandfather retired, he lived another 28 years yeah. before he passed on. That's so, it. And without an income coming in. That's sure. a big one. Hey? Sure. And, and to, to make that work out. So how do I work it out? How do I work it out how much money is the right kind of money for when I retire. As we as we discussed, there's so many calculators on, on Google that you can go on to. So all you have to do is type in retirement calculator. And these calculators, whether they're going to be from a financial, well, please use a financial institution's one. So look at Liberty, look at Old Mutual, look at Sunlum, look at Momentum. They all have incredible calculators, which are really quite quick and easy. But this is a quick check for you. So firstly... Please remember it's a quick check. It's not a financial planning analysis. It's not the real thing. Yeah. It's just to give you it's an idea. Correct. It's just to scare you. <laughs> so the idea hey, is go scare and scare <laughs> the idea is go and scare yourself just a little bit. And then what you need to do is sit down with your financial advisor. Because they can do a proper financial planning analysis for you. And they can stipulate exactly how much is needed. I mean, sometimes when we do the financial calculations for our clients, I actually physically cannot tell the client that he needs to put away 15,000 Rand a month to be able to live at retirement. That is how bad it gets. Because that's the reality check that you have to look at. What is the person earning currently? What will they need to live off, but also looking at it as a future value? And can they live off that income for the next 25 to 30 years after retirement? And honestly, if the person has not started saving at the age of 25 and they're starting to save at 38 or 40, we are looking at huge amounts dependent also on the income that they would require on retirement. So, the income you require when you retire. Yes. From your experience, Michelle, and we were talking about some of the, the costs of living as yeah. they're going. I mean, <laughs> look, the one thing we cannot escape today is everybody's talking about the cost of living. Everybody's talking yeah. about how expensive life is. Okay. I was watching on TV last night and looking at all the queues in Argentina. I mean, they, they are paying, they are currently paying 80 US cents 
for a roll of toilet paper. That's like 15 rand. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my God, if I think Correct. about it like that, and I think about the value of money today, this is the value of what money was 10 years ago, Correct. 15 years for ago. Me, we don't even have to go far, that far back. Let's take it two years ago. And sorry, you've just brought up toilet paper, but look at how much toilet paper is costing you. For 18 toilet rolls, it's costing you, what, 115 rand? Mm. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what the hell? And that's the reality of it. And we're talking about within a year or two years. Mm. As a kid, I bought how many chappies I mean we always come back to the chappie stories (laughs) I mean I'm really giving away my age but I mean I could buy like 20 chappies for a cent (laughs) and I mean our kids today I don't even know how much a chappie is anymore Mm. but it's ridiculous a lot of the products factor in that specific future value so they will say to you if you require 10,000 rand to live off on retirement it does factor in inflation and all of those kinds of things. Okay, so what the, what I'm looking at, when I look at that proposal from the financial yes. planner or whoever's selling Correct. me the product, what I'm looking at is, I'm looking at it in today's terms, but it but will be the future, future value. value. Correct. So if 10,000 rands worth of living Correct. today is what I will get. Correct. When I so that's what they'll the do. Side. Exactly. Because what they'll do is they'll, they'll factor all of that in for you so that you can make sure that your 10,000 Rand is worth the future value in 2035 or 2040. So the thing I hadn't thought about, <laughs> Michelle. Sorry. Do not laugh always, at me. I always apologize on the show. <laughs> that's because you're always laughing at me. Can we Sorry. just be, can we get Sorry. it clear here? So when I was looking at all of these um, proposals and products, I'm looking at all of the stuff and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I don't think I want to live where I live. Yeah. Um, in, in 20 years from now, I don't think I want to live where I live. Yeah. First of all, even now as I come home, like after a really <laughs> good night, I can't handle the stairs. <laughs> and, I, and then I thought about that. And when he said to me, how much do you want to earn? The value of this policy. How much do you want it to be? Yes. That it gives you at Current. the end of, of the period. And I couldn't, and I said, oh, well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to change where I live. I'd yeah. like to live in a, probably a smaller place, probably lock up and go because I do like everybody else. I kind of feel like, you know, I want to be free to roam <laughs> the world <laughs> and go on that cruise. Not on a cruise. <laughs> Not on a cruise. Not on your life. <laughs> But, but all right, so why don't we do a quick calculation mm. just just to give us a little bit of an understanding? And I, I'm going to use the Liberty one because it's the one that I've got on my Before stuff. you do yes. that quick okay. calculation, tell me about you when you were researching. Tell me about those house values. Oh my because gosh! Because then obviously I'm going. Oh, I might want to buy a new house. Yeah. Maybe my retirement should just pay me enough to buy a new place. Sure. Yeah. If we have a look, and and I and I got this off a website um, called um, what is it? MSP. So they're looking at they like a building company and they were looking at real situations of the average home that a person would have. So we're not talking about the guy that buys the beachfront home in plate that costs him 32 million. We're, we're not, certainly not we're talking not about talking that house about in those. Sandhurst. No, definitely not. We're just talking about yes, a nice townhouse or a nice <laughs> average small home that an average family lives in. In Douglasdale. There we go. 
So they're saying that in 1966, the average cost of a house was 9,516 rand. That was the average cost of a home in 1966. Okay. They've worked on an average of 11.25 per annum as an average rate of growth historically over over the years. So now they're saying that's great. So if we then look in 2011, um, the average value of a home was almost a million. If you think that was like really for an average home was around about a million. And that was most probably for a two bedroom, one bathroom kind of place. Then the scary thought is that if you're looking at 2050, the average house in South Africa will cost you 73.2 million rand. What? <laughs> say it again. Wait, say it again. I'm trying to calculate it in my head, so I'm not. I'm just bringing out my calculator. <laughs> They're saying that if you look at the trend of how the rate of growth has been from 1966, they're saying that you're looking at a house of 73.2 million, an average South African home. And that's in 25 zero. Yeah, 2050. And according to my calculations, I'll be retiring like 2044. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm okay. 70 but, million but is what I think I the need. scary part here is that even if we look at that and we say, okay, now I bought this average home and now I need to earn about 330,000 rand per month in order to purchase that home. Oh, that's ridiculous. 200, what? 330. Oh, but no one. So, okay. So just that, (laughs) but so just that in the value of money is if, if you think about it, it's, it's today in today's numbers, that's a a crazy amount of money that one needs to be saving and earning. But now let's ask ourselves this question. Would we not have had the same conversation? In 1966 or or say 20 years ago, (laughs) if we spoke 20 years ago about what today's living is like and people saying, oh, I earn 50,000, you would have said, oh, my God, where, how, where where did that come from? Sure, you're so lucky. And today, what is your average earnings for a person in business between 50 and 40 Mm. or 15 and 40? Mm -hmm. That is average earnings these days. So, yes, we are looking at 2050 and we're going, what? But if we were sitting here in a time machine 20 years ago, we'd be saying exactly the same stuff. So then how does one make sure that they they start saving correctly for what they require? How do you start doing that? I think we had this conversation a few um, shows ago that we were actually talking about people and their pension funds and saying that people don't actually stay at companies for long mm. anymore. And that's also a problem because previously, if you look at our grandparents, they stayed in one job all their lives, literally. And their pension was what they lived off. So they actually got to benefit from like the from compound interest. Correct. for Having and, saved this thing for and, 20 years. Yeah, and or also whatever. being in the company for 25, 30, 40 years, they actually benefited from those pension funds. But today, people don't stay in jobs long. What is your average 
job type? <laughs> plus minus 24 months 24 to yeah, 36 yeah. three years three yeah. years if a person's been at the job a long That's long it. time so again that kind of savings element falls away and that's why I still believe that when we had the show about the retirement reforms and they were saying to people that they're going to treat their pension funds like a retirement annuity where you can take the third out and you can take the two thirds and you can utilize that to purchase yourself an income. Mm-hmm. And then everybody kicked up such a storm about and it. And now they're reforming it again. Now but that now I understand that, yes. that's when they're reforming yeah. it again. So then they stopped it and they said, okay, we will relook at it for 2018. But the whole idea is not to penalize people. It's to assist people to live comfortable lives. Why? 4% of the South African population retire financially independent. So, Michelle, as a good financial advisor, I'm then saying to you, on the one hand, there's some kind of retirement annuity that one can go after or a and, and all the additional policies. Traditionally, people have always gone after risk. People yeah. have gone, I'm going to save. I'm going to look after the risk. Is there ever a time where one is justified, I suppose even in your younger years, to to take a more aggressive look and say, right, I'm not going to put in a retirement policy. But rather than put in a retirement policy where I'm putting in 40,000 rand a year, I'm going to take that 40,000 rand a year and I'm going to put it in an aggressive investment portfolio that will pay me out, you know, short term, medium term. So after 10 years or so, that'll pay me out X amount of money. Is, Is that risk worth it? There's a big difference between the two. And I think that's what people also need to be aware of, that if you have got, firstly, the temperament, and the tenacity and What do you the... mean tenacity? <laughs> what do you mean tenacity? Remember easy money in, easy money out. <laughs> and that can be a problem. So if you are not dedicated to actually keeping that money in for a certain period of time, you could run into a problem where all of a sudden money is needed and that money is taken out. Which means that the original thought behind putting the money in has been gone, is now gone. So the retirement annuity also is structured in such a way that it forces the person to provide themselves with an income. And that's the beauty of the retirement annuity. Because not only can you take out a lump sum, remember it's changed to 247500, that you can take that amount out, but the, the two-thirds that is available to you purchases you an income. So that's the whole idea. It's a forced retirement personal pension fund and that is why i'm saying unless you are absolutely dedicated to going more aggressive route and then taking that lump sum and getting yourself an annuity to give yourself an income you're defeating the object of what you are trying to do the importance of being clear about how much you truly require. So you've got a house, it's got a bond today of like 1 million, as we were saying. So on retirement, you know, when you retire, you're kind of thinking that you'd have worked a a certain amount of time. You've paid off that 
bond. Ha- you've paid off that yeah. bond, so you don't. You no longer have the bond. That's so what where you where your salary today would cover bond repayments Correct. and 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 you no longer have to cover bond exactly. repayments. Exactly, because now you're taking that into consideration and saying to yourself, yes, we lived off thirty thousand a month, but now the bonds paid off, the cars are paid off, the kids are out of school. We've paid varsity fees. It's just me and my wife. Then what? How much do we really need to live off? And the beauty is that you can also not only take out a retirement annuity for income, but you can also now take out retirement annuities which pay for medical aids. So you have a specific RA which will only pay for a medical aid, which is also an excellent idea. So tell me, um, when you calculate those things, because the thing about an income as well is today I may be earning 30,000 rand. But I think a lot of people kind of think or feel that when I retire, I now want to earn 60,000 rand so I can do all of these other things. Can you do that? Can, can, <laughs> you can, Michelle. but it's obviously going to cost you a heck of a lot more. So you... you you, you cannot can. earn more after retirement than no, what you, you earned when you were working. Of course you can. But the thing is, are you putting away enough to be able to do that? So say, for instance, I have a client that I go to and we work out the whole analysis and everything. And I say, okay, well, currently you're earning this. You're looking at having your bond paid off. And then how much do you want to earn? And the guy says to me, well, currently I'm earning 20,000, but you know what? When I retire, I want to earn 40,000 because I want to buy a Harley and I want to go on holiday (laughs) and I want to play golf every day. And it's going to cost me more. Then we need to factor that in. So yes, you can, but then it's going to double the premium that you're currently paying because we have to work towards that specific amount that you want. And sorry about that. So, what about the life policies? Because these are okay. all the kind of things that I think when I'm looking at them today and I'm looking at all of the monies that you're throwing into this thing, it does feel like you're throwing it into a hole, you know, in one way or Correct. another. And and the, the risk taker in me wants to say, instead of throwing this money into a hole, surely you should be throwing more money into some kind of retirement plan or more money into um, an investment thing. Because the life policy, you know? I think the thing is that we have to distinguish between what the two do. So the retirement annuity is for you, for when you retire till you die. The risk policies or the life cover policies aren't really there for you. They are there for the people that are left when you die. So should you die prematurely, then that is what that money is for. It is to look after the people that you can't now look after anymore. So with our kids, we need to take out the life cover so that something happens to us. They are still minors and can go into a child trust and they can be looked after. Retirement annuity is there for you. However, going back to the life cover, there are certain companies now that are doing very much like a cashback on the premiums. And they're saying things like, you, you know, our insurance is always now talking about it, <laughs> about your cash back after 15 years. Sudlam has actually just done the same thing now, where you pay a very small premium of a 100 rand extra for a cash back. And in the 16th year, you actually get that money back, all the premiums that you've paid for your life cover, your disability, your dread. Those premiums get paid back to you. 
which is also great. There are also certain companies that got something called a death income benefit, which very simply means that you're actually paying for an income for your family should you die. So instead of them getting a lump sum, it comes in as an income to them. Oh, wow. And that's a nice way because then people start looking at life covered differently. And they don't say, because oh, I always say to people, please keep in mind life cover is like short-term insurance. If you don't use it, you lose it. You don't personally gain from it. But the people left behind do gain from it. Mm. So companies are becoming very aware of, I think, public thought processes and public opinion about, hang on a sec, why am I throwing all this money in if I don't benefit anything from it? So they're looking at how do people, how can people actually benefit from taking risk? But they have very different policies. The one is for death and the one is for retirement until death. We were talking about making decisions. I mean, this one thing, the one thing about all of this is that you're, you're talking about a hang of a lot of decisions that one needs to make. Oh my gosh. A hang of a lot of thinking and considering and this and that and the left and the right and if this is equal to that and it's it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people oh yes and very difficult for a lot of people i yeah. think the thing is there are too many too too many years in between and too many amounts to be thinking about which a lot of us can kind of wrap our heads around um but I've got a couple of examples of people that are very well-known people and we know some of the bad decisions that they made and some of the good decisions that they made. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat a little bit about that, but also a little bit about some of what the decision-making actually means for you. Um, Pumi Mashejo, you're listening to me and Michelle, and we are... Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. I'm sharing a story and we're definitely sharing the dollars with you. <laughs> Michelle Davis in the studio. I'm Pumi Mashekho. You're listening to Wumandla. And we're talking about the value of money. We're talking about making the right decision about how much you save for that, for that incredible retirement. You know, Michelle, even as I'm just listening to that song and, and thinking about all of the stuff that we've gone on about, I'm always astounded every time i have these conversations you know this for the past like four maybe five years i've done absolutely no saving i've saved nothing into any retirement i've saved i, I didn't even have medical aid for a very long time yeah. um and now that i'm doing the exercise and it is i must tell you congratulations to you it is in part because i spend so much time talking to you about these things <laughs> you've put the fear of god in me about it <laughs> you have but also, there are so many incredible stories and so many famous stories of how people have gone from top of to nada. Yeah. Hero to zero, yeah. Completely. And we hear them and I and I did look for I looked for local stars. Mm-hmm. I looked for African stars and because those are always my, my most fascinating things where you see this person has been earning and they've been in concerts and and they're everywhere and you think they must be making so much money. Sure. They must be coining it. And then they die and then you hear on the news that they couldn't even like scrape the money together to bury them. Yeah. Um, there's very little on the Internet about it. But one of my favorite artists and and I think one of the things that makes this artist always such a, an incredible case when people talk about him and talk about all of the money grabbing and the fighting. Cause you say, you know, the yeah, money, no, absolutely money makes people ugly. 
is this guy, you know, Bob Marley is, I think the whole world loves Bob Marley because of all the, the social things that he sang about. Yes. And this is a guy who is, is touted as being the first global superstar of a third world country. Came from nothing. And the idea, and not that he wasn't money savvy, but the idea of just money and the craziness around money and surrounding money was never a big thing for him. And so when he died, he had no will. Yep. <laughs> even though he knew he had nine children, even though he knew he had cancer, even though he knew it was coming, you know, he knew he had cancer and it was coming. He had nine children um, and not all of them with the same woman, yeah. his wife. So there's lots of which when you read it, it sounds just like a ghetto story. <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like every ghetto story, you know, baby mama dramas and who gets what. And <laughs> a lot of families have this stuff, you know, and, and we've heard the man's been dead for over 30 years. Yes. 31 years. I think the celebration last year, at twi- no, two years ago in 20, no, 2015. So this is the 31st year that he's been dead. And for the past 31 years, his family has been fighting about his money. His family has been fighting about his estate, which all went to his wife. It would, yes. Because <laughs> he, he died in something called intestate, mm-hmm. which means that there was no valid will. But what's fascinating for me is when he died... His estate was worth 30 million US dollars. Look, it was a lot of money even back then. In those then. days, yeah. In 1981, sure. 30 million US yep. dollars was a lot of money. And today his estate has grown to 130 million dollars. And that is a lot of money to be fighting about. With his nine children, <laughs> which I was reminded of again because I saw an, I saw, Vanity Fair, I think. Vanity Fair brought all the kids together who are no longer kids, who should all yes. be earning their own, own money. money yes. <laughs> how old are you? Well, how old is too old to kind of, you know, inherit? Hmm, how old is too old to inherit? Yeah. And they're still fighting it out, still duking it out for this money. And I think the, the, the other person that was incredibly fascinating for me was the Michael Jackson story. Yes. Michael Jackson. Okay, but he had a zoo. He had that kind of money. That's exactly my point. He had the kind of money where he had his own zoo. He had giraffes and a zebra. But that's why I'm saying he had a zoo. So you have to say to yourself, the dollar or the zoo? So you know he spent 5 million US dollars every year maintaining the zoo, maintaining the ranch, which he bought for like 17 million. And, And all the money... That he had, but what's really interesting is that he was spending w- w- this the site that I saw. It's it's called like Celebrity Net Worth. <laughs> he Good was grief. spending. He was spending every year to maintain his lifestyle. Just in thinking how much you need when you retire, right. he was spending every year to maintain his lifestyle about three hundred and fifty million US dollars. Oh, good grief! So you see, even if he'd stopped singing and he was just getting his royalties, that will not cover. That kind of spending. I mean, it, it just it can't. So when he did die <laughs> in 2009, what was incredibly fascinating to watch is also how then the executors. Yes. He was broke. Okay. Correct. So everybody knows that when he died, he was broke. But today, his estate, again, you know. It's because the spending has now disappeared. But also because of how they've managed the Correct. estate. How they've managed what they've sold and how they've reinvested. So his kids, 
three of them, I think, who all inherited <laughs> and his mum and his mom, <laughs> who, who all inherited bits of their estates, are now actually also earning this income. And the thing that got me thinking about that is how does one like me, who's not a Michael Jackson, who doesn't have a two, two like two hundred billion, <laughs> U, two billion US dollar like fifty fifty JV with Sony <laughs> Entertainment? <laughs> how do I ensure? That when I die, my children, well, child, at least that I know of. <laughs> I should hope. My goodness. <laughs> my, my child can continue earning from, the, from, from what I have and in, you know, and making it grow, if at all, like that, without me there. Again, that's when you have an executor to your estate. So you actually have somebody that takes care of that money. And that person can either be an institution or it can be somebody that you trust explicitly with that money. You can't trust people with your no. money. <laughs> That's why give it to somebody who is a neutral party and you actually give them authority to make sure that that money works for that child. So you can say things like, yes, guardianship will go to the other parent. So I don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day stuff. However, I want to make sure that Conejo has got varsity fees paid for. I want to make sure that he's got a deposit for a house or for a flat. Or I want this money to be able to buy a two-bedroom, one-bathroom flat for him when he turns 23 as an investment. So there are people that can actually do that for you. And can a Not person for you, like but me. for when you're dead. <laughs> but can a person like me who is not earning 50 million US dollars a year from concerts grow their estate after they've died. So no, when I die, your estate. So it when won't I, be your estate anymore. It won't be mine. But no. when I die, yes. okay, whatever you've put in the retirement annuity is gone. The retirement annuity will also be payable to a beneficiary because you'll have a nomination of funds to somebody. Okay. So Sano, I don't understand instance, that. All right, Say let me tell you. Okay. So Sano, for instance, I have a retirement annuity and the value of my retirement annuity, because remember that always give you an illustrative value of how much it will be at your retirement. So Sano, for instance, mine says that I will earn a million at, at retirement. That is what my illustrative maturity value is. But however, I've been paying for this thing for the last 15 years. So I have a fund value or a death value. 28 years if I start today. Yeah. So Sano, for instance, <laughs> That amount is 300000 If I die before retirement, that money obviously has to pay to somebody. Oh, wow. Okay. That money That's pays, awesome. Yeah, that money pays to somebody. So you have a nomination like a beneficiary on that policy. So those funds will be payable to that person. Oh, so you don't lose that? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I thought you lost that money completely. No, 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 no. And then, but because I get that, I I got that with yes. life policies and yes. stuff. You know, you I get that that that's yes. when if you die, this, this money, money goes to paid to whoever. whoever. But I didn't get that about because I yes. thought it's retirement annuity. You know, it's for your retirement. If no. you die and you don't retire, you don't get that money. No, no money one gets that money. No. The money is payable to a beneficiary because you nominate them to the funds of that money. And can you? Can you continue, can you create a portfolio that even after you've died 
even though the the portfolio will obviously be passed on to the next person, but can continue just growing. They can change ownership. Yeah. On that policy. Um, there are certain rules and regulations attached to that, which is a little bit too difficult to go into now because each policy and each fund has certain rules. But you can change the policy ownership of a policy. Oh, okay. But, again, be very aware that certain funds won't allow you to do that and that the benefits will just be payable to that person. Mm-hmm. But, again, here we go to that point of asking the right questions. And I think just during the break, we, you said something extremely valuable to me. And you said people only know as much as the questions they ask. True, because I feel that way all the time. I feel like I know there's something more I don't hear or don't know. Um, and that is simply because I don't know the question to ask. So I don't know if I'm asking the right question. Yes, I will ask the question that says when this thing pays out. Yes, I'll ask the question about how much it escalates by every year. Yes, I'll ask the questions about um, what happens in the event of my death or incapacitating yes. or any of those kinds of things. I will ask about those things. But then, you know, every policy, Michelle, don't look at me like that. You know, every <laughs> policy comes out and it's got like 50 pages and of terms and conditions. That. Yeah, nobody reads that. Even if you did read it, you, you can't change it. it. And you can't, and you don't understand I, half of it. My worst thing about it is even if you read it, this thing has been gone through by Sunlam's legal team to, to the hilt. No, absolutely. And you can't change it. No. So what's the point? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what is the point? I, so I do feel like there's a lot of things that I never know sure. simply because I didn't ask the questions. Right. And the thing is that even if you think about the question afterwards, ask the question because there are people that will answer those questions for you. So do ask those questions like now with the nomination of the benefits. The money doesn't just disappear into the ether. It actually does still belong to you and your deceased estate it does belong there um but a trust is a great thing especially if there's minor children or an executor to your estate for them to control that money in the right way and to make sure that the money is payable to the right for the right reasons so don't ever just leave it for somebody to grab hold of and especially remember we said this as well especially if there's a minor child be careful that you stipulate that that minor child has got an executor who will take care of that money for them in a trust. So speaking of the executor, which is like top of mind for, for me, um, in our family at least. But also it's, it's that thing that everybody talks about. Everybody talks about if you have a will, this and that and the executor. So we've all gone the step of saying, yes, there's a will. But how does one go about choosing the executor and how do you know that they there, are no, there the are, right? Do you know what? There are companies that do this. There are companies that specialize in just this. Do they cost an arm and a leg? No, Michelle? they don't. Okay. Funny enough, they don't. And if you don't, if you don't go the company route. Can anybody be an executor? Anybody can be an executor as long as your will is valid, as long as your will is witnessed. You can even keep a copy at your bank. Honestly, or in a, and in on a the safe. will, you have to say the executor is Duncan. Correct. Yeah, the executor <laughs> is Duncan, and Duncan may not use all of that money for himself. So, 
But honestly, it's it's worth everybody's while to look at a company that will keep their will in trust for them. So you can look at the big insurance companies. You've also got just, and I know it's a big word, fiduciary companies. <laughs> a fiduciary company fiduciary. is a company that just looks after wills, estates, and trusts. So you can look at those companies as well, and you get some really good ones. I know there's a company called Capital Legacy that does an incredible job. Um, I've actually, my, that's where my stuff sat. That's why I'm telling you about that. And they will look after everything. And I've had experience with them as well with a death where I've dealt. And all I've done is I've picked up a phone. I've said, this person's died. I'm sending you the details. And they wind up the estate. It's, it's, it's really does not have to be difficult. And I know people dread that whole, what if I die? Who's going to take care of things? Find somebody to do it. Why must you worry? Michelle, <laughs> making the decision about how much you're putting away, when you're putting it away in, where you put it, and all of that kind of stuff is also stuff that's like anxiety but, inducing. But, take, but that's why there's people that can do it for you. But what? Take it away from yourself. Earlier we were talking about making the wrong decision, or rather regretting the decision that yes. you have made. Yes. So once you have made a decision about... A policy X mm. and about an, a retirement annuity at a particular company and, and, and. How easy is it to change your mind? That's also a really nice thing that you can do. So Sano, for instance, you've had a retirement annuity with company A for 10 years. And you're just really not happy, happy with that company. And all of a sudden, company B comes out and they've got this really awesome product, which is also a retirement annuity, but now it gives you bonuses and it really makes the product a hell of a lot more attractive. People are under the impression that, okay, but if I stop the one at A, I lose everything. Not true. Because what you can do is you can start at the same premium with a new company, with the bonuses and everything, you can start that. And you can transfer the money, the value of that policy into the new policy. So you can do a transfer. They call it a Section 14 transfer. So you can even do that with policies. So it's not a case of regretting. It's a case of, and I think companies know this, always remember that products are always being modified and they're being made better and they're being made more um, public friendly, if I can call it that way. Because people moan, like we've we've spoken about this. People say, well, because but insurance I've paid sucks. This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I paid, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I pay this money and I never get anything out of it. And da, 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 da. But companies really do listen to that. So they do modify policies to suit people. And that's what I'm saying. So you don't have to stick with that old policy. So just Change because it. just because I have 28 years to work until retirement age and I start a policy today doesn't mean I have to stay with that specific, with that specific no, company no. for the life for the next 28 years. Not at all. And you know what? Those companies themselves sometimes do generation changes or general changes and generation changes on those policies and they should in fact let you know and say listen just by the way we're going to convert your policy to the new policy and it doesn't cost you a cent because it's a better policy it's a better benefit for you at the end of the day so they should do that so it's actually just easier <laughs> no, they do. and better to just pay a financial advisor 
get somebody to do it for you because they're the ones that will phone and say, hey, just by the way, we've now got this new policy on this particular product with this company and you've got this. If we move it to that, this is what it's going to give you and it doesn't cost you anything. It's a conversion. In your experience, worst thing that's ever happened to, you don't have to mention names, anybody in your experience with regards to taking out a particular package of stuff Mm. And then it just did not work for them. And they didn't know until the retirement age. Yeah. Um, remember 19, no, it wasn't 19. It was about 2004, 2005. We had a bit of a slump in our economy. And what happened was that a lot of the companies or a lot of the funds that people were in did not perform at the illustrative values. So illustrative value may have been, say, 13%. And then what actually happened was that you had around about a 4%. 4%. So people that That is looked, not a variance. 10, 10% <laughs> is not a variance. So people that were looking at a retirement value of, say, a million were getting out like 600,000 between 450 and 600,000. Sure. Now, that is scary. So the thing is that you then need to go back to those clients and you need to say to them, please just wait 18 months because it will swing up. There's no doubt. I mean, we've had this over and over and over where that actually does swing back up. You switch funds and the person makes the money. But the problem is that when something bad happens, what do people do? They take it out because it is human nature. But just kind of grit your teeth and just Bear with it because it, it will swing up. No. So, but, but then that illustrative value, is it always being communicated to you yes. every year it or only be, at the time when it no, matures? No, no, no. You should be getting updates every year. There's something called TCF, which is done through the Financial Services Board, that they insist that financial advisors use TCF, which is treating clients fairly, which means that you have to see your client every six months. To discuss their portfolios. Really? Yes. You have to. So every six months you've got to go to your client and you've got to take their statements to them and show them what is happening within their portfolios. Because then you can make that decision there and then whether I should switch a fund, become more aggressive, more conservative. What do I do? Yo, I'm going to name and shame here. People ain't seeing me. (laughs) People ain't seeing me. There's somebody that... uh, is definitely not seeing me every six months. Okay, but they should. That is wow. that is TCF, treating clients fairly. So, Michelle, as always, it's incredibly informative and educational. But I think the the I still I now feel worse than I did at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I'm definitely clear that I don't know if I'm still. I don't know if the amount of money that is that can we do on the quick, bottom can line. Can we do a quick analysis? Let's with do you. one. Just Let's a quickie on We've you. Two do minutes. it on you. Do it on you. Two minutes to go. Total income needed before tax in today's terms um, for retirement. What would you like? 45,000. Okay. Number of years until retirement? 28. 28. Expected inflation rate? What do you expect inflation to be? 9%, 10%, 11%? we've never met our 6%. Because it's always Should we say 10? Just yeah, keep, it 10. As a, keep it as a... Nice round numbers. Yeah. Number of years that you think you may need the income from retirement? 30. 30. 
expected rate of return over the investment. What are you expecting? Let's say 11%. Okay. Uh, monthly income expected retirement is 45. 45. Okay. One, two, three. Let's calculate. Woohoo! Is this going to tell me how much I should be saving right now? Sorry? Is this telling me how much it I should, should be saving right now? Sorry, I'm just trying to work something out. Because this Am I going to faint? Should I worry? <laughs> TikTok, TikTok. Whoa. If you're looking at 45,000 Rand that you want at that age, we're looking at 94 million that you need. This is this is according That's to the liberty. That's how much the amount the needs lump sum. to be. Ninety-four million. <gasps> Ninety-four million. I need to make. So I need to be very aggressive in what I put in there. Yep. Now this is off the liberty calculator, the mm-hmm. retirement calculator. So what is it saying? I should be saving. You should be saving a monthly premium of like um, um, half a million. <laughs> I should be saving half a million. That'll at this rate, I'll be just like Warren yeah, it's, Buffett. It's about um, three hundred thousand that you have to save a month. A month, if you want to retire or forty-five thousand rand for thirty years in twenty-eight years' time. At this rate, I'll be just like Warren Buffett, working till I'm ninety-five. <laughs> Thank you for giving me your ear. I'm Pumi Mashiko. You've been listening to Womandla. I'm here with Michelle Dave. We've been talking money and how much money you need to retire and how much is enough money. I suppose I'm going to have to shut down my Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> That's where people will never know how badly I'm doing at that time. Thank you for tuning in. And to say goodbye, one of my favorite locals, local artists, saying goodbye with Yvonne Chaka Chaka. Um, Kana Uchema, have a wonderful day. This is CliffCentral.com.